Hey, and thank you for joining us again for the Beer and Bible Podcast. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. And we're sitting around a microphone after eating a lot of queso. Yeah. So I'm lactose intolerant to some degree, so this is going to be interesting. Uh. But it's good queso. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks again for joining us. Um, today we are going to be discussing baptism. Yeah, we want to get kind of to the historical roots, which is what I nerd out about. Yep. But also uh, we want to get into um, some of the application, you know, that baptism isn't just something that makes you a member of a church or anything along those lines, that it does still hold deep spiritual significance. Yeah. So for the for the historical background, I mean, most people probably assume that baptism originates with the church. That's probably fair. A lot of Christians probably believe that. Yeah. But um, looking at history, we find that baptism or the idea of this ritual cleansing comes way before mm-hmm. the nation of Israel. We find it in Egypt. We find it in Babylon. <clears throat> yep. And actually, it's not even really popularized as full submersion baptism until probably around the first century BC. Um, but it was based on, so ritual cleansing, this idea that you could be cleansed through the waters, that goes back way before. Yeah. Um, and it's taken from this word mikvah. How do you um, spell that? Uh, well, in Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> we can transliterate it. <laughs> um, mikvah, M I K V E H. Okay. I think you have to... I can't do that. Mikvah. Yeah. Um, And it was a bath used for the purpose of ritual immersion uh, in Judaism to achieve ritual purity. So if you had like a wet dream as a male, then you would have to go get ritually purified. Or if you had given birth as a woman, you would have to get ritually purified before you can do what though? Uh, Before you could go into the temple, which represented the presence of God. Yeah. Um, also a menstrual cycle, a woman could go get cleansed before she goes. So we have this kind um, of, with, with baptism, you have that kind of thing where people become unclean and yep. the way that they can be restored into the presence of God is through some ritual washing of themselves. Mm-hmm. Another one is if you ate an animal that had died of natural causes. So like oh, they didn't or drain the blood. one of your goats like dies or something out yeah. in the field and you're like, oh crap, got to eat this so it doesn't go to waste. And you eat that, you're unclean. And that goes all the way back to like the Mosaic Law, all that stuff yep. that makes you unclean, mm-hmm. touching dead bodies and all that. Yep. So they, I mean. So what makes us unclean in our culture? Well, we can get into that in a bit in a minute to talk about separation of Christianity and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things that make us unclean. Yeah. So the, the concept, if we go all the way back in history, the concept is still there. We still need to be cleansed of the wrongs, mm-hmm. to be purified from our sins and the sins of our culture, the sins of our people. Yeah. And we look at that. We look, we don't seem to – traditionally, churches don't seem to look at baptism in that way anymore. Yeah, not really. It seems to have taken on this feeling of membership or being included into a community. Public or, declaration of faith. Yes. This is my public declaration. only Christians are coming to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm publicly declaring <laughs> that – and even some people invite all their family and it's the only time they darken the doors of a church is when yeah. somebody's getting baptized. And mm-hmm. um, it seems very – at times, and I, I mean, we're, I don't want to use blanket statements that people don't take this stuff seriously, but it had a lot more, a deeper meaning, I feel, back in the times of Christ for one, and then, sli- and then shortly after that, and then also um, 
in the in the Old Testament as well. But let's go back to the Old Testament side of this because you mm-hmm. were talking about mikvah and the root words for that being the idea of hope. Yeah, a lot of the same letters are used. So in Hebrew, when they're writing, if things look alike or sound alike, they do that poetically, kind of like how we would rhyme. Mm-hmm. Um, so the it's not the same r- word; it's the letters, the way the sequence of the letters. letters. Okay, it's, it's it's it resembles hope. Yeah, and so they've tied this together because of this passage in Jeremiah. So in this passage in Jeremiah says, "O Hashem, or God." Um, the hope or the mikvah of Israel, all who forsake you will be ashamed because they have forsaken God, the fountain of living water, which that should ring a bell to most anybody who's read the Gospels. Where Jesus talks about living water? Yeah. Is that you'll thirst no more? Yep. Yeah. Um, living water baptism was if you were baptized in, into a running body of water. So the difference would be like what you're talking about living water. We're talking about literally as well. This idea that the mm-hmm. water is constantly moving, like yep. a river, yep. um, not stagnant water like a pond. Right. Well, a mikvah uh, literally means a collection, and they would make rainwater basins to collect water because we're talking about the Middle East. Yeah. Water is a precious commodity, and so they would collect rainwater in these basins. It would be like an open ceilinged room or something. And they would channel all this water to this basin, and then that was a ritual cleansing pool. Yeah. But certain things were only cleansable by going to living water. And so you'd have to make a journey to a moving body of water for certain things. And I didn't study up enough on what those cardinal sins were. But it was – there was a handful of things that you could only be cleansed of by being immersed in living water. And what do you mean immersed? You're not talking about it sprinkled on. You mean getting in the nope, water, being nope, thrown under. full Baptist baptism <laughs> immersion. Well, that, being, I mean, that's the, other, dunked in. that's the other thing is, I mean, different churches express baptisms in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also, so this is crazy. We can't underestimate or downplay how much of baptism had to do with actual physical bodily uncleanliness. Yeah. Like imagine, for example, you are a young man um, who's been told to abstain from sex until you're married and you have to go weeks, if not months at a time without a shower. Yeah. Because that's the world we're talking about. Or a young woman or, or anybody just going through puberty, going through those changes of stages where you have bodily fluids um, that make you unclean, yeah, make you smell, and you can't go into the presence of God like that. And so there is a very real world application to this cleansing that's happening. Because in today's day and age, we can literally take showers when we need to if we yeah. are physically dirty. Whenever we want to, yeah, we don't even have to be dirty. We'll just jump in the shower, yeah. But, so, so there's a practical application to this whole thing too. Yeah. So do you do you think? Because we're talking about um, cleansing oneself before entering into the presence of God, and they didn't just do baptism once. Like, hey, I've been baptized. I'm good. Right. I can get into the presence of God whenever. So it's ongoing. It was an ongoing, um, almost like state of mind, a constant thinking about what we are doing, what they're putting in their bodies, where they're mm-hmm. putting their bodies, um, what they're touching. Because um, they, if they made the one wrong decision and touched the dead carcass, then they can't go and to worship that. 
But yeah. they can't go to the temple right. and do offerings or whatever. Yep. And today, it's more of that, like you said, that declaration of, hey, I believe in Jesus. This is my public declaration of this one-time thing. And we kind of de- kind of lose the fact that even after that one baptism that we experience, if we get baptized once, is that we continually are un- cause ourselves to become unclean in the presence of God. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, there's definitely... There's so much to it. Um, So would you argue, and I think I would argue the same thing, um, that to a degree, unfortunately, Christianity has maybe cheapened the idea of baptism or commercialized is the wrong word. Uh, Ritualized? Ritualized. I think, so here's... To make our segue into the New Testament really flow beautifully, I think <laughs> I think that what we have done with baptism in many Christian circles is very similar to what Jewish culture had done in that it was ritualistic and it had lost its, um, we'll say, um, it had lost its edge or edginess. Yeah. That it was not so much a political statement or something that meant a radical life-changing moment. Um, Of course, it was nice to be clean after having not showered for months. You know, that was a huge bonus. But um, it wasn't... To be baptized in the ritual sense in ancient Judaism was not much different than being baptized now. They just did it more often. Okay, that's fair enough. And I say that because it's very ritualistic. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, hey, if I want to be a good Christian, uh, my pastor says I got to be baptized. Similar, hey, uh, I don't really feel dirty because I ate that goat that died in my heart, <laughs> but I need to go get cleansed if I want to go to the temple. Temple, yeah. So it's the idea of almost doing it out of the ritualistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't feel unclean right, right now, but if I want to make sure I've got all my ducks in a row just in case I get struck by yeah. lightning today. Well, and it's not to say that there weren't genuine people. Like yeah, and with with the right heart and doing it at that time, but you and even still the, today, yeah, you get yeah. the connection that you know when whenever we over ritualize something, it can become just, yep, that's just what we do. Yeah. Um, part of why the New Testament baptism is so different is because they've kind of reinterpreted it. Because when we see John baptizing, he's in the Jordan River. Mm-hmm. And there's some uh, pretty cool parallels to be drawn. One, he's baptizing in living water rather than the ritual Pharisee overseen. Because the Jordan, uh, it, the Jordan yeah. River is actually a river. In the, yeah, it's it, actually flowing. Of, yeah. It's flowing water. Um, the fact that it is the Jordan River is very significant because that harkens back to the Exodus, just like our last podcast we took. Because they crossed the Jordan to enter into the promised land. Exactly. After wandering wandering in the deserts, they crossed the Jordan and enter into the promised land and kind of like a baptism, per se. Yep. Yeah, actually, the the waters, so it's an interesting sequence. They leave the Empire of Egypt. They go through the Reed Sea. And that's kind of a long story why I say Reed Sea, not Red Sea, like the children's Bible. 30 seconds? No. Okay. It's not even worth going into right now. I'll give you his phone number later. They go into the Reed Sea. And then they come out on the other side into the wilderness. So that's kind of like Israel's first baptism. Yeah. And then 
they go out into the wilderness and they wander and they wander and they screw up and they wander again. They complain a bit. Yep. And then they're called to cross the Jordan and uh, God does another miraculous parting of the Jordan or whatever for Joshua and the people to cross over. And so then they go into the land to possess it. Yeah. And then we get to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, we have John the Baptist. Yep. Who's in, at in the Jordan. In the Jordan River. So mm-hmm. it's hearkening back to that idea of walking into this promised area, this 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 mm-hmm. way of life or this ideal that God has for humanity. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist was a renewal movement prophet, so he's trying to make Judaism great again. He's like a revivalist almost at that time. He's like, yeah. repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Yep. And, uh, how, and I mean, just going on that, how much do you think repentance has to do with baptism, the idea of turning away? I... Yes. We didn't plan that question. That that falls more into let's get through the gospels <laughs> baptism first cuz I think that that does play a big part but I think that's more from Paul's perspective. Yeah, okay. And I I would like to still we still got time, we got right? Lots of time. Okay. I would like to still spend a little more time in the gospels because yeah. Jesus does something significant. So Jesus comes from the promised land, goes to the Jordan River to be baptized. And then what does he do immediately after? He steps out to the other side. Yeah, which is the wilderness. The wilderness. So Jesus is like replaying the narrative of Israel. Yeah. Because after he's in the desert, what does he do? He comes back. Yep. He comes back into the promised land and starts his yep. ministry. And he had to get back across the Jordan, Jordan to come back. Yeah. So we, we you have that the parallels between the story in Exodus. Yep, with Moses. With Moses and um with with Moses crossing the nation part one. So what baptism does for us, what one of the ways that we can experience baptism in a fresh new way is that baptism locates us within the story of Israel. Yeah. So that we get to follow like Jesus in the path of Israel um, by leaving the empire in a sense or leaving the established way of living, the way that made sense to us. And doing this crazy thing called baptism in which we are submerged under the water and we come out as a new person or we come out on the other side. And that other side is the wilderness where we depend on and rely on God to lead us, to guide us, to show us the way. And as we begin to learn those things and learn how to live in God's ways, suddenly we are we become aware of this kingdom that God is advancing on earth as in heaven. And then we begin proclaiming that kingdom. Because the parallels that we talked about before, isn't Jesus leaving the promised land and going into the wilderness. He's leaving um, Rome because Rome is occupying um, Mm -hmm. Israel at that time. And then when he comes back, he's not coming back and saying, well, I'm I'm holding on to this identity of this Roman empire who's oppressing me. I'm coming back and proclaiming the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And so you, it's not that he's leaving the promised land and then coming back to the promised land. He's leaving yep. Rome. Yep. And this this is not one small instance of Jesus paralleling the narrative of Israel. Yeah. Everything Jesus does is fulfilling the story or the role of Israel. Because it clicks with his, his original audience. Yep. They, they, they understand what he's saying. Yep. Which I think for Christians, they, we, we need to have a better grasp of mm-hmm. not only the Old Testament, but Jewish history Yeah, to understand some of the things that Jesus does. One of the primary layers or lenses when you're reading the gospel that you should always keep in focus is that Jesus is somehow living out or paralleling the story of Israel mm-hmm. at any given time. 
So there's a lot of significance there to where Israel took the wrong path and Jesus shows us the correct Correct. path. So there's a really cool line in John. Um, It's on the Festival of Booths. So they, this harkens back to the Exodus because they would live in tents for a week um, in order to remember their time of wandering in the wilderness. And Jesus stands up on the last day of the feast and reads. So, what you're saying is what they would actually do is go camping for a while just to remember the fact that for 40 years our ancestors walked in the desert. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, at that time of this celebration, because it probably had become a ritualized thing already. At this time when they're sitting there and they're remembering the time of the ref- – or reflecting on the time that they were in the desert for 40 years, mm-hmm. Jesus gets up and says something quite amazing. Yeah. Read it. Oh, I can read. Okay. This is from John <laughs> chapter 7, verses 37 to 38, and it says this. On the last day of the feast, being the Feast of Booths, um, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him, co- let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures has said – out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. It's probably one of those verses that people just gloss over. Yeah. There's Jesus saying crazy things. There's Jesus saying <laughs> water coming out of people's hearts. Yep. This is weird. But all, this this idea of the desert wilderness thirsting um, and harking back to that living water, that water that's constantly flowing that was used to cleanse mm-hmm. people. Yeah, because unless you're listening to us from California or the desert, you probably don't know what it's like to really thirst. And California is just a joke. I don't think they really know what it's like to I thirst. don't know. I, I had a friend who talked me into doing a 24-hour bike challenge where I had to ride my bike for 24 hours. Okay. I made it 30, mi- 30 miles before I quit, but I was thirsty after that. I mean, that's pretty – Yeah, but that's not real thirst. I had a water bottle. That's not like trekking through the desert and drinking camel's milk to stay alive. No, there, there was a truck behind me that had, <laughs> that had bottles of water for me to drink whenever I wanted. <laughs> These are desert nomads um, going weeks between well stops and stuff. So. so, I mean, and once again, that's going back to we we struggle to really understand some of these things because we don't go without. <clears throat> yep. We don't say – we don't go with this idea of I don't, when am I going to shower again to be clean? Mm-hmm. Is we can shower whenever we want. What what? Why am I going to be thirsty when I can open my refrigerator mm-hmm. and pull out whatever drink I want? Well, and you know what? The Feast of Booths had really become a gigantic camp out drinking party. Sounds I mean, like fun. So, like, <laughs> so what you're saying about we don't really get the picture? Jesus is standing up, and he would have said to his audience, "You guys don't get it either." Yeah, he's saying, you know, you're all comfortable. We're in Jerusalem. This is a party. Yeah, there's wine everywhere we've just celebrated for a whole week um which america needs to get in on some of these like week-long festivals (laughs) Um, mardi gras yeah uh no no (laughs) uh so jesus stands up and he's essentially saying the same thing he's like he's trying to wake them back up to the fact of this time was a time of relying on god yeah and it's a time of suffering as well Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going and you don't know where your next mm-hmm. water is going to come from, mm-hmm. and then he stands up and says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, they're already yeah. drinking whatever they want during this time of the Festival yeah. of Booths anyway. So he's trying to get them to remember why, what you're originally doing this for. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I'm sure there's some parallels, too, to the 
out of the rocks where the living waters sprung out of. When uh, Moses beat the rock? When or, God provided. Oh, God provided, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The beating the rock part, that was more like in spite of Moses, God yeah. things. <laughs> Moses makes a mistake and God still provides. <laughs> yep. So the... So so when it says out of out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, I mean, living water was the idea of of, of the ritual cleansing. Mm-hmm. So what what do you think Jesus is saying here? It says out of who's his out of his heart. Uh, whoever believes in him, as the scripture has said, the scriptures say. So as here's an idea: if we believe in Christ and. proclaim him then out of our hearts flows streams of living water yeah which also harkens back to oh no i'm drawing a blank on the prophet's name but there's the prophecy of the waters the streams of living water for the healing of the nations so this is also maybe like a welcome the gentiles in passage oh oh what i'm starting to get yeah but I shouldn't have opened my mouth because I can't remember all the references. But <laughs> there's this passage about these um, streams of healing water for the nations. And so whoever believes in Jesus, their heart is going to be opened up, and out of it is going to flow these waters that will heal the nations. And do you think that also harkens to this idea when Jesus comes back into the empire, into Rome, and he decla- after reading Isaiah, he declares that he's here to establish a kingdom that is here to help the oppressed, the poor, the needy. Mm-hmm. This idea that... Um, when we drink from the living water, when we when, when we if we come if we're thirsty and we come to Christ, that an overflow of that is that we in turn help those who are hurting, mm-hmm. and we try and bring restoration. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they're not; they're drinking and having a very old time instead. Yeah, yeah, they've made it into a ritual again, which is um, which. Unfortunately, historically, the church has become. Well, religion in general has become good at making ritual, making something that has deep significance into a ritual. Mm-hmm. And I'm as guilty as the next yeah, when it comes to that. It's hard to try to have a real, authentic spiritual experience every time you take the Lord's Supper, like we talked about last time, or Eucharist, yeah. or um, every time you see a baptism. It's hard. I mean, you, I think people get excited about baptisms, but it doesn't carry the same weight or have the same edge yeah you know it's not as sharp as yeah. it was it used to be something that kind of cut to the core of a society or a people i will mean, um, we're going to touch on that in a bit yeah the, the, the what people gave up when they were baptized yeah um continuing on with the new testament and baptism the book of acts begins calling it um it says over and over again and there's more references to baptism in the book of acts than any other book because they just go baptism crazy. (laughs) Um, But they call it being baptized into the name of Jesus. Hmm. So being baptized into the name of Jesus is this idea of um, that instead of being baptized as a convert to Judaism, which was a thing back then, um, there were... Believe it or not, there were some Jewish movements that were trying to baptize Gentiles into Judaism. So you could become a convert. It wasn't very common because the Jews hated the Romans, but you could become a convert and you would have to be baptized. Yeah. Uh, you'd have to be circumcised as well. Yep. If you're and, a guy. Yep. And 
Uh, be skinned. Yep. Skinned. <laughs> so I went with but, circumcision. You went with skinned. That works. But the Christians then turn around and they turn it into a you're now being baptized into the name of Jesus, which is you were of this way. Now you were of the Jesus way. Yeah. It's a kind of a change of identity. Yep. So, so like you said, Acts, because in the book of Acts, it talks about people who come into the way and then them going and baptizing masses of people. Yep. There's that famous passage with the Ethiopian eunuch. eunuch. Is there anything to keep me here from being baptized right now? <laughs> and they're like, nope. Philip's That's, like, here's some water. Let's do it. Yeah. And that was a, that was a Gentile being. That was a eunuch. For one, one thing, thing yeah. but it was also, yeah, an Egyptian, uh, somebody serving the Egyptian royalty. Who's giving up? Well, we can yeah. talk about that later. It's a servant yeah. of the empire. It's a servant of the up, empire, giving yeah. up his, his identity as a servant of the empire. Yeah. Um. So then, so then, like you said, in, in Acts, you have all this this massive idea of baptism, mm-hmm. um, which I I think we get a lot of our ideas of baptism from. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, oh, you, you, you believe in Jesus? Let's get you baptized right now. Yep. Yeah, th- that aspect does come from... Acts. But then I, I would say a lot of what we talk about when we talk about baptism comes from Paul, too. Yeah. So, Paul, almost all Christian doctrine is based on the teachings of Paul, mm-hmm. if we want to get honest about it. So, um, Paul says a few really interesting things that I wanted to highlight. Um, one is Paul takes this idea about being baptized into Christ. And I believe that there's a small difference. I'm not sure how exactly small it is, but there's this small difference between being baptized into the name of Jesus and being baptized into Christ Jesus. And I think it has to do with the audience. Okay, Um, yeah. So Paul baptizing people into Christ Jesus is this idea of emphasizing Jesus' kingship over and above Caesar's. Yeah. Um, And if you were being baptized into King Jesus— because Christ means Messiah, a.k.a. King. King. So being baptized into King Jesus was a lot more politically unsettling Which I think than that, just being baptized into the name Jesus. So what you – I mean, I don't put words into your mouth, but you're saying that a lot of Paul's teachings about baptism would have had heavy political connotations for his time. Yeah. Saying, I'm choosing Christ over anything, anyone else to be my king. Mm-hmm. And this is in the time of kings and pharaohs and Caesars and lords and all that. Yeah. Whereas today, has it lost its political edge will rub people the wrong way? But has it, could it have lost, has it possibly lost much of its political edge? Because we can both serve empires Mm -hmm. and be baptized in not having to renounce, or we don't lose anything. Yeah. We sometimes gain things when we're baptized now. We yeah. gain we gain a community to go along with what we had before. Yeah, and they they gained a community too, but they had to forsake their other community. I mean, there was like a whole um you weren't just a Roman that you know, none of this happens in a bubble. So, if you were a devout Gentile Roman and you ran into Paul in the street marketplace, and Paul talked to you about Jesus and you decided to be saved, you were doing things for your religion leading up to that moment. Yeah. So you might have uh, visited a temple prostitute that morning, or you might have sacrificed to the gods of commerce or the gods of war if you were a soldier. Um, You had most likely 
done some sort of sacrifice because these aren't like atheists. These are very um, religious paganists. people. Pagan. Yeah. I mean, you talk very Paul, devout pagans with. Yeah. Well, Paul goes to Mars Hill and he sees all of these gods that they're worshiping. Yep. And so there's a very pagan and um, multiple gods. People, and yep. like you said, they had a god of war, god of commerce. If yep. you were going god to war, love. what yep. would you do? Make your sacrifice to yep. the god of war and hope yep. and say, I'm serving you. Yep. Bring me victory. Yep. So that sounds like Constantine. And Caesar right now. was a living god. Yeah. <laughs> Caesar was a living god. So born of a virgin. That's another story altogether. Yep. Yeah. So there's there was a lot of um there was a lot of gods that you could swear your allegiance to. Because we've become a very monotheistic culture recently. Society. Society, yeah. I think. Yeah. There's a lot of philosophical stuff that goes along with that. But supposedly the Western ideal, um, because of the way that it's oriented, it steers us in that direction. Yeah. That we recognize that, well, if there's a bunch of gods, then one god is the top. And if one god is the top, then... Let's worship that god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of... Because in their, in their time, the pagan, in, in the time of Christ, or the time of Paul specifically, you had different gods for different things. So if you wanted to get pregnant... Fertility you, goddess. You went to the fertility goddess and... Easter. I mean, prom- Ishtar. <laughs> <laughs> April Fool's. Um, so, yeah, you and then you would pledge yourself to that god until you got what you desired. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there was, uh, there was priests of all these different gods. There's a lot of money to be made if you were um, involved in the temple worship of the pagans, which is a part of one of the first uh, civil unrest we see between Christians and... The Gentiles or the pagans is uh, the Christians are dissuading people from uh, purchasing these idols. Yeah. And the tradespeople that are well known for making these ornate little gods, the household gods, um, they're all ticked off because it's hurting their business. So what you're saying is, okay, so somebody in Paul's time, and Paul had an encounter with somebody convincing them that Jesus is God. That mm-hmm. he is the ultimate supreme ruler of all creation, and mm-hmm. that you should follow him. As they're being baptized in this physical sense of being dunked in water and brought back up, mm-hmm. they're making a declaration that they're turning their back on the multitude of other gods out there, mm-hmm. and saying, "I'm having nothing to do with you. If I, if, if, we, if I'm going to war, I'm not going to sacrifice to the war god. If I'm well, that's Christians of war. That's a whole other topic. Yeah. Um, if I want to get pregnant, my wife isn't isn't getting pregnant. I'm, I'm not going to go and buy a fertility goddess and put it in my house." Mm-hmm. I'm going to worship one God, mm-hmm. and that God is actually supreme over Caesar as well. So these yeah. are very polarizing statements for a person to make in their culture and time. Yeah. There was the – yes. The edge was Jesus is king, not Caesar. Yeah. Because time and time again you'll hear us, especially me, probably say that over and over again. Because these, all these underlying narratives and um, phrases and so much of what we now just consider theology or religion was originally so many different ways to claim that Jesus was king. Well, the idea of um, being the prince of peace. Yeah. It's a political statement where, where Caesar brought the Pax Romana, mm-hmm. the idea of, of peace by Rome. But Jesus says that he, I mean, it is in contradiction to the Roman Empire. Yep. Or Jesus is Lord. How did people greet each other when when a Roman walked in? Caesar is Lord. Yeah. Exactly. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 
uh, verses 12 through 13, uh, Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. That kind of ties together our passage from John talking about Jesus uh, saying, whoever believes in me, if anyone thirsts, come to me, uh, back to John 7. So it ties that in with this idea of being baptized into one spirit, um, that there's, and if we take spirit back to um, the creative force of Genesis, yeah. so into the spirit of God, which was hovering over the waters in Genesis 1, this creative energy that animates all life on earth as we know it, that we are all baptized into this one animating flow, force. this one animating force that is now taking back the world. I mean, that was, again, that's where the edge comes from. Is because that, that Jesus, is... A, the work of Jesus is now taking everything back. And and that is contrary to Rome, because Rome at the time was expanding and conquering and going mm-hmm. and making making more, more Roman, making the world more Roman. Yep. And in this, Paul's writing, well, this is the counter-narrative. Mm-hmm. That if you're Jew or Greek, and mm-hmm. you are baptized in the Spirit of God, that's the unification and the reanimation of humanity. Yep. kind of return to original purpose. Yep. And I think if we were to label life application number two, it would be... <laughs> How <laughs> many life applications do we have? I don't know. I usually struggle to find one, but this one's a good one. So I think life application number two, um, if the first one is finding our place in the biblical story or the Jewish story, um, the second one is... Uh, abandoning the kingdoms of this world. And that gets... That's where it's edgy. That is, And even today, that's where it gets edgy. Yep. Because I am as guilty as anybody else for siding politically with one side or another. Thinking that the solution to any ill in this world can come through endorsing or siding with a political side. Mm-hmm. And the edginess and the truth of the of Christ is that we need to abandon those ideals not mm-hmm. looking for government or any human institution to right the wrongs of the world mm-hmm. because Christ is righting the wrongs of this world and when we rely on any form of government or any form of political parties to do that we are neglecting our call as the church to be that institution that is called to do that because like you said when jesus returned from the um the wilderness he didn't stand up there and read isaiah and then say well rome's gonna do all of this for you rome's gonna right. rome's gonna feed the hungry rome's if gonna we just vote <laughs> if we just vote the Augustus new caesar out in, yeah <laughs> yeah if we overthrow the roman government mm-hmm. and we bring in another government then and and that is the hard thing is is baptism the leaving behind of using political means to change the world. I think it definitely could be for some people, especially if their identity is wrapped in that. That's why it's life application number two. Because <laughs> I think people need to experience baptism in different ways. Um, 
And people might need to relive their own baptism um, by meditating on some of these ideas or some of these teachings from the either the Gospels or the writings of Paul, because that moment needs to mean something. Yeah. And that's why it did. That's why it meant so much to them, because they were risking their lives leaving one people group culture society and saying this new Jesus thing. And and in turn, some when they were following in the footsteps of Christ or got saved, whichever way you want to word it, following the way, and they were baptized, they some of them lost family, friends, mm-hmm. commerce, the ability to buy, sell, and trade. Um, mm-hmm. They th- th- there were big repercussions for people who made this decision. And that still happens in like Afghanistan, Pakistan, um, areas where they were part of this Islamic community. Yep, and. They don't know any Christians other than this one that they met um, that may have traveled from a different town, a different place, but they hear the message of Jesus, they want to convert, and they go, they find a community that's worshiping Jesus, they get baptized, suddenly they're being hunted by friends and family yeah. to be killed because they're bringing dishonor to the family name. And, and it's hunted all over the world, yeah. so they'll follow them because the dishonor that's brought to the family is yeah. so, they, they can, some, some, in some instances, the family considers them dead. Yeah. You are no longer... And I don't need, mean to pick on Islam, because it's not the only one that persecutes against yeah. Christianity. Um, I mean, there, are, there are some churches that if you if you leave that church and go to another one, some of your yeah. family members don't talk to you anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that's to much that. more minor scale, Yeah, it's but, minor. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's not just Islam. You know, I use that as an example to say that there are people in the world that that decision to be baptized still is a life or death decision. And for, and traditionally in the Western world, it is more of a ritual, right? ritualistic. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've come of age, or I want to join a church, or I kind of like these guys, so I'm gonna stick around with mm-hmm. them for a while. So, or that cute girl from high school got baptized. So, so I want to go through those classes with her, so I can yep. sit beside her and uh, yep. then jump in the river with her. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, really bad decisions That's to make how in it life. Works. It is. That's <laughs> but, why a lot of people go to youth group. Because of the opposite sex? Yeah. Yeah. If, if they find Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then you get married and then you go to church to try and keep the opposites still attracted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so going back to my life application, the idea that l- being baptized is somehow related to this leaving the empire or d- dying to the old world or the old kingdoms and being born in the new kingdom um again one of our favorite passages or at least one of my favorite passages from galatians 3 verse 26 through 29 for in christ jesus you are all sons of god through faith for as many of you as were baptized into christ have put on christ there is neither jew nor greek there is neither slave nor free there is no male and female for you are all one in christ jesus and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And I know we've read that before, um, but it has so many applications to so much of what the biblical, new, especially New Testament narrative, is trying to teach us, which is that when we find ourselves in Christ through baptism, and we've said no to those old kingdoms, and we've been born new in Christ, then suddenly the social orders, the social constructs, they've all collapsed 
they're in that old life. Yeah. And now there's this new life where there isn't like a hierarchy of popularity. There isn't, I mean, there is still. There's the, but, unfortunately, but yeah. yeah, there shouldn't be. Right. So we're asked to participate in this new world that is radically different from the old one. So we would, you would argue, and I think I, again, would do the same thing, that this b- baptism. We argue the same way. We argue lot. the same way. We should stop arguing the same way. We've got to pick something we're on polar opposite sides of. Oh. I don't know what that would I listened be right. to a podcast recently and that did that, and it was so painful. It was <laughs> this arguing back and forth. No, nobody's <laughs> mind was ever changed. Well, one guy talked a lot more than the other two, which we're pretty balanced. <laughs> I think we are. But there, there was this one guy that just kept going on and on about his view, and the other guy would be like, Again, that's your opinion. <laughs> and he never got a chance to rebuttal. Oh, gosh. And I agreed with the silent guy. So. How can we reclaim baptism? Um, life application number one and two. <laughs> <laughs> well, for churches or for people who decide to be baptized, it's the understanding that it is a declaration not of – it's a declaration that you understand that you're unclean before God and that you need mm-hmm. to be purified before God. Yep. But it's also that declaration that you are leaving behind the constructs of the empire that mm-hmm. controls the world in this essence. So that the mm-hmm. idea of whatever empire we're a part of, and we look through we look through history, you got empires throughout the whole history, and they conquer through violence and all this, mm-hmm. and saying we're leaving behind that, and we want to embrace um, the way of Christ. And you spoke on Wednesday here about the parable of, or the, yeah, Jesus tells the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee. Mm-hmm. And how both the tax collector and the Pharisee are both integral parts of Roman o- occupation and oppression of the Jewish people. But the tax collector beats his chest asking for mercy. And he's la- he, he is, he leaves justified before God. And I think one thing, and I, one thing I took away from that is, I am also so involved in oppression and the empire with how I buy, sell, and trade, what I do, and all that. And one of the things that is important is to be able to, to understand that God does have mercy, but also to beat my chest say, I don't want to be part of this anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's what baptism is, is that declaration of, I don't want to be part yeah. of this systemic just degradation of the world. Because mm-hmm. the world might seem like it's going to hell in a handbasket, but that the message of Christ is hope. Yeah. I mean, Mikvah. Mikvah. <laughs> Mikvah. Cool. Whoa, that was good. Um, if I could push life application number one to Ooh, two and two to three, then I would make the first life application. And you just brought this up that there is the application that we are dirty and we need to be cleansed. Yeah. Um, and that's probably, that belongs as number one because that's why you would desire to be baptized is this knowledge that, wow, things are screwed up and I'm a part of the things that are screwed up. Yeah. And I'm dirty. I'm not, I'm not clean in this. My hands are dirty as well. I need to be baptized. Mm -hmm. And then there's life application too, that by doing baptism, you are taking part in the narrative of Israel, which is the story of the Bible. And then you can begin to find your story in God's story or in Israel's story. Yeah. And then there's the application of, well, now that you've gotten that and you grasp some of that, there's this decision of, well, there are these kingdoms of the world and there's Jesus's kingdom and we have to make a choice. Yeah. And And unfortunately, 
I find for Western Christianity for myself, it's it's too easy not to have to make a choice sometimes. Right, because we don't tell them that that's what baptism is all about. No, it's It's like a requirement for church membership or something. Or if you want to get the fellowship hall for free instead Mm -hmm. of paying the $5 fee, get baptized. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or it falls along the lines of um, so-and-so has been – they've been a Christian for a while now, but now they want to publicly declare their faith. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably most commonly uttered phrase when it comes to baptism. Yeah. I, I'm as guilty as any pastor for saying that as well. Yeah. This person has decided to publicly declare their faith. Which and has very little ramifications in our time, but yeah. immense ramifications in biblical times. But it should have extreme ramifications for today's time. Mm-hmm. Even in the Western world. Yeah. It should, have should look radically different. different. Yeah, from that moment. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. What are you drinking? I'm drinking Larry's latest sour ale from Bell's. Um, it's a kettle soured ale with a dry hop burst. It's uh, really tasty. It actually has a lot of citrus in it, I've so noticed. Is it sour? It is sour. And uh, look at the person on the cover or on the can is puckering yeah. their lips, which is what I feel like I'm doing every time I take a drink of it. <laughs> which is a good thing. There's a lot. There's a dry hopness to it as well, so it's very hoppy. We have a clean rating right now, so I don't know if I can say this over on the microphone. How creative can you get with that name? Um, this is Founders. Mm-hmm. Um, it is called Dirty. I don't know how to word this differently. Illegitimate child. Yeah, dirty illegitimate child. That's a good way to put it. Um, <laughs> the reason I couldn't think of that is because it's my second one so far. <laughs> dirty illegitimate child by Founders. It is a Scotch style ale. Um, we do have a lot of people who listen from California, so I don't know if they know Founders or Bells. Well, a lot they, of people they probably is, know Founders. Founders is everywhere. Is it? When I say a lot, I mean like six. Uh, Founders is everywhere. Bells. Bells is not. Not. No. Founders is big time. But Dirty Illegitimate Child is actually quite good. Eight point five percent Scotch ale. But um, we have not decided what we're talking about for the next couple ones, have we? I'm open to suggestions. I have ideas. Okay. We I would de- definitely like to hear what people think we should talk about. All right. So give us some feedback. This is 48 minutes in. I think this is our longest one. Yeah. Baptism deserves it. It does. Um, so thanks for listening and listening to us again. Um, send us your feedback. Give us reviews on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you pick up your podcasts. Make sure we keep our clean rating, and we will catch you guys in the next one.